Hey, Pat. Yeah. Did you know that uh, today's January 30th and that it's my birthday today? No, it's not. It, yeah, it is. No, it definitely isn't. It's my birthday. No. <laughs> <laughs> that must mean it's tuning time. Oh. I mean, I guess it is tuning time. I don't <laughs> it's know. tuning time. Is that what that means? That was I great. Guess <laughs> I guess it does. Welcome back. Episode well, six. It is episode six. Glad to have you here. Uh, it's your host, Nick Antonides, and uh, Patrick Oaks. That's right. Uh, and Patrick, today, it's not just the two of us. That's right. We have a special guest. We do. You want our, to introduce yourself? Our first yourself? special guest on the Tuning Time podcast, Mr. Sean Bukovic. Oh, yes. Do I need a... <laughs> oh, you didn't want me to do no that again? No more screaming. You didn't want me to do that again? No. Okay. I'm Sean. <sighs> All right. Hi, Sean. Except it actually is uh, Nick's birthday today, so happy it birthday, Nick. Birthday. Thank you. We don't have school today. Worked yeah. out really well. Man, you got you guys got me there. I didn't think it was. Wow. Really <laughs> thought it was it, actually... You thought it really, was tuning time. Really. <laughs> when, <laughs> when it's really both the times. <laughs> Joke's on you. That's deep. Got him. Um, yeah. Before we get started, as per usual, not on Spotify yet. Not on Spotify yet. We're, but we're finally <laughs> on Apple Podcasts. That's true. We are on Apple Podcasts. That's yeah. new. Which is a big step. It's a huge yeah. step. It's a... Really big step. So uh, give us a listen there. You can actually close the app while you listen. <laughs> while you listen this time, mm-hmm. um, as, as per usual, we can be found on all your favorite podcasting streaming sites that you didn't know existed, i.e., Anchor, Stitcher, Podbean, and others, <laughs> and all of which I'm sure you guys love. Yeah, but Apple door. Podcasts. Give a listen there. Uh, keep an eye out for Spotify because it will happen. Dude, I love Stitcher. Favorite <laughs> so, website. Stitcher. Is that what it is? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Stitcher. Yeah, Stitcher. It's my favorite website. <laughs> Spend hours browsing there. It's the best. So, Pat, what are we going to talk about today? Um, to jump into today, to today's topic, uh, I would like to chat about writing music. All things related to the writing of music's Yes. In general. That's a topic that we were holding off on until we want we wanted to have you on here, Sean. We were like, you know, we could talk about writing music, but who knows writing music best? Sean does. <laughs> Sean is the best songwriter Sean, actually Sean in the history of the universe. That's right. Thanks. Thanks, pal. <laughs> I appreciate right, that. Sean. I appreciate that. Yeah. So, um songwriting. Yeah. It's it's uh, it's it's a tough process. It kind of starts. A lot of people come at it with a lot with a great deal of emotion. A lot of times, everybody starts. Um, at least I started writing when I was about thirteen. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, what instruments do you play, or instrument? I play piano, and I write a lot of stuff on guitar. I do a lot of my songwriting on guitar and singing, and, and I sing as well. Yeah. Yes, um, and I play ukulele, but nobody cares about that because <laughs> <laughs> it's a ukulele. But anyways. Um, <laughs> Uh, I started writing when I was in the eighth grade. I was thir- 13 about that. And um, I was uh, having a tough time in eighth grade, as a lot of people are. It can be challenging. Um, I don't know, puberty and emotions and such. Mm-hmm. You know, how that goes. Sucks. Yes, it does. It does. It can be hard. Um, so uh, I started writing stuff, and it was terrible. 
<laughs> that's kind of how it goes. Did you did you record stuff like on your phone ever? Or? Yes, I record everything on voice memos, okay. and then once it's in my head, I'll delete it because otherwise I'll run out of space. Right. <laughs> but I record everything on voice memos, like everything ever. I have to run to the bathroom sometimes at school because a melody will pop into my head, and you know you have to you just have to get it out. You just <laughs> have to like record it before you can do anything else. And I'll walk to the bathroom and just like. Into my into my phone like very quietly. The people, the people in the stall next to you that are drooling are like, "What is this guy doing?" Yeah, well, yeah, no, it's. I mean, I'll sing a quiet melody just very melodies. gently into my phone, and then I make sure that I can hear it, and then that's it. And yeah. then so that's hey, Sean, you were in the bathroom uh, quite a long time today. Some, some you doing something you're not supposed to be in there. Uh, uh, no, Mr. Teacher Man, I'm just singing. <laughs> I was just quiet. I just had a really good melody. Just quietly humming my melody, brother. What do you yeah. mean? And then half the time you go back, listen to it, and then it's just like, why did I think this was a good idea? That is something that happens. And I, yeah. I often tend to stay up late at night writing. Um, a lot of inspiration comes to me like when at like 11.30 or something, I'm like going to bed and and then... And then something pops into my head, and I'm like, well, now I got to do it. I so, <laughs> so I just have to, like, I just have to do it. I have to get it out, and I start working on it. And, um, and you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm like, God, I am just so freaking good at this. Like, I am, <laughs> I am the best, like, songwriter in the history of the universe. <laughs> and you, like, record it, and you, like, try to go to sleep, and you, like, can't sleep because you're so excited about it. Mm-hmm. And you wake up the next morning and listen to it, and you're like, kill me this sucks <laughs> you gotta be kidding me like yeah. that's that's like all the time that's how it happens and mm-hmm. especially as far as lyrics go like you can write some big cheese lyrics late at night and you'll just be like this is so good like wow like i'm amazed with myself and then so deep and then it turns out to just not be good so. i've attempted to write songs with lyrics um two times ever and that is the exact process that happened. It was late at night, and I had this idea for a concept for an entire song. I'm like, yeah, this is going to come together. And then I wrote it out, and then I looked at it again a week later, and I threw it away like on site. I'm like, this sounds like a seven-year-old who listens to Green Day. Like, what? <laughs> what? What was I thinking? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like I said, a lot of times people come to it with a ton of emotion. So I'm not sure what you were writing about. Do you remember what you were writing about the very first time? Uh, I don't. I can't think of something specific that may have inspired that may have inspired it. Um, the general gist I think was, "Be patient with me. I'm struggling." Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. As it would be in middle school. And that's yeah. what's so like degrading about writing music is that. There are so many, po- there are just endless possibilities of what can happen, like what works and what doesn't work in terms of writing a melody. And you never know if there's something better that you can add to it. And like you think it's really good one day and then you listen back to it and it's like no one would want to listen to this. <laughs> and then yeah. it's just, and then every once in a while you come across a melody where consistently every day it's good and you're like, okay, I need mm-hmm. to add to this. And then you try to start adding chords to it or something or like vocal parts and then you're just like you just hit a wall yeah and it's so degrading and yeah such a tedious process it is challenging <laughs> I, I found my best melodies and songs that i've written have come together like just on the spot like they they don't not that i write the whole song on the spot necessarily but that the melody is just there and it's like i can hum it and i'm like that's a good melody and it exists on its own without any chords or any structure or any lyrics at all, 
and on its own that melody is good and those are like when you like write those and you hear those and you like you know you get them into your brain like that's that's always what happens best but if you try and sit there and try and like get a melody out just by singing a bunch of stuff and playing guitar chords on guitar like it, you know you can write good stuff but i found like it just like never like you try to force it and it never works as well yeah. as when it just happens organically which is why it's like hard it's like i want to write a song but nothing i'm going to write right now is probably going to be as good as what it, like, what just pops into my head one day right. so it's like hard that's that's what i've experienced at least i find that interesting cuz i kind of approach it almost the opposite way because I, I think that there's something to be said for um, getting seemingly random strikes of inspiration that let you to get an idea going. But I'm a, I've become a pretty firm believer in the magic of the process. So I, I think we talked about this on episode one, uh, but Stephen Pressfield, my, my, my main man in, in the writing world, um, I've been uh, studying his book, The War of Art, and one of the other big takeaways that I've had from that book is that to get to a, a higher place artistically, you almost can't approach it, what you're doing, like an art. Because even because the inspiration is not always going to be there. Um, and that's it's very easy to... Um, to be shot down by that if if you just like cannot get something out or your writer's block is so intense that you just cannot face a blank sheet of paper for the life of you um those things happen but the ability to make yourself do it anyway i think has a lot of merit um so when i decided that i wanted to start uh writing and composing more um i kind of went into it with that mindset like okay, if I'm gonna start doing this, I'm not. I can't. I'm not gonna just wait for uh for the circumstance to be in my favor. I'm gonna grind out, and I'm gonna I'm gonna put something out there, whether I really like it or not. And I think the more you do that, the the that's that's the biggest step in the process towards making things come easier. Because if you sit the way that that Stephen Pressfield describes it. If uh, he likes to talk about the muse and like this this otherworldly uh, higher power that that um, I guess grants inspiration to artistic people and that uh, whether you believe in that kind of process or not I have mixed feelings about it um, but he the way he puts it is that if you build it she will come so by that he means if you're if you're putting in the grind and you're working towards having some kind of output, then the inspiration will come to you eventually and it, it'll be there. Um, but you have to set yourself up for success for it to come. So that's just kind of how I approach so it. Just like, like grind and put out until something works. Yeah, so so grinding and making yourself create music that you ne don't necessarily, uh, well, not not enjoy but like that you don't think you think it could be a lot better and then like sean was saying that it can come organically and you want to you know be ready when that comes mm -hmm. um so you think that like forcing yourself creates more organic moments i yes of? you just put it together very well yeah i agree with that forcing yourself because i wasn't trying to say um that i don't force myself because i found that honestly a lot of songwriting is is 
hard work. Yeah. You know, like it's it's more about sitting there and just thinking over and over and over, like how what's what's another way that I can say this line because you'll get an idea together for what you want the song to be about. This is more about the lyrics side of things, but mm. basically your job is to like fit the amount of syllables <laughs> that your your idea can be phrased in so many different ways what you're trying to say but you have a certain amount of syllables that you need to fit it in you know yeah. what i mean mm-hmm. and if you listen to like really good songwriters all of their all of their phrases aren't wandering right which is you know they just they're they're sentences with a period and and they're there and then they stop and they're effective mm-hmm. you know what i mean but you have to work a lot to get to that point yeah right. which is what patrick was talking about yeah and when and, you put in all that work, then when the moment... But when you put in all the work and there's a part that isn't quite right, then all of a sudden you'll get a moment of inspiration and then it's fixed. At least that's what I found. Yeah. Right. That's what yeah. happens to me. Every every time like I'll get a moment of inspiration, I'll whip out the uh, the interface and then I'll just you know throw it on my computer and then never touch it. <laughs> and then and then I'll, I'll go back, listen to them like, wow, that's a good idea. And then it's either I don't... I can't like figure out the the shapes that I was using to play that melody or whatever it is um or I just like can't find a way to make it work with anything <laughs> so it's like well that would be cool if you know if like it it, if <laughs> I could find other parts in uh you know for it to work in like a song because yeah I can find an a section but it's all about like finding the b section that that like goes well with that they can follow that up and then you can go back to um but really with like when it comes to making music recently i've been really inspired by this guy named rob scallon if you guys haven't uh seen him on youtube before i i would highly recommend looking him up he's an amazing guitarist and it's funny and very uh, educational at the same time. Patrick introduced me to him a few years ago, but uh, there's this one video he made where all he had was a guitar pedal called a looper, where you can just record yourself uh, multiple times and then like play over it. And he has just a guitar and a looper, and he makes this beautiful little arrangement, and like that inspired me so much because he was using only his guitar to make all the noises, but he added added in a percussion, uh, like a percussive element, to that song by like hitting the strings in you know like dead notes and stuff that sounds like drums or like a you slap the pickup to make it sound like a a kick drum, um, and I've just been doing that a lot. And then you could just like throw in a little uh, simple bass line and then improv over it. And really, when it comes to creating music not necessarily writing or recording but just creating music that's what i've been up to recently because it's so easy because i have a looper i have a guitar and that's all i need right to make all this music because i want to make songs that don't that aren't just guitar because that's boring sometimes Mm -hmm. and i i want to have like drums or maybe piano and i'm you know working on the piano aspect getting better uh slowly but surely um but and also uh i don't have recording equipment for drums so being able to slap my guitar in different spots (laughs) to make it sound like i'm playing drums is really really nice and effective yeah um just for quick loops like i'll just come down 
to my basement and jam for 30 minutes to myself. I remember the first time I watched a guy do a full performance using just a looper, and it, like, blew my mind. I'm like, that looks so much fun. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I, yes, I would agree. That's very, <laughs> very And fun. I was like, that, the, the, I, the guy's name that I first, that first introduced me to, like, that style, I guess, of music making, uh, his name is Philip Stendek, and, um... I, I, the minute after I saw him perform, I think it was on YouTube, uh, for the first time, I was like, I need to get one of those. And I looked up his looping rig, and it would cost like $500. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, let's, uh, let's chill out a little bit. I'll get the $100 one. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's just as effective. Yeah, but yeah. That's, it's, a, it's such a fun little tool. Right. I have videos of me on Instagram just jamming over little you know, 20, 30 second loops that I, that I come up with. Um, so it's a, it's a nice little outlet. Yeah. And with the, with loopers, like it's really fun when you're by yourself, but then you get like with a, a group of people and say, it's just Patrick and I, or Sean, Patrick and I, and we're all playing. Sean will be like on keys, Patrick, maybe on drums. Normally how it goes, is Patrick on drums, me on guitar. And then like, I'll be like, well, I want to kind of solo, but then it sounds really bland and I'm not that good at soloing while keeping a melody down or a chord changes down mm -hmm. and soloing over that. So, like, I want to loop, but, you know, with every looper, it's the time length is all dictated by when you click start and when you click stop. Yeah. And no matter how hard you try, it's never going to be perfectly in time with what everyone else and. Uh, the group is playing like the time that everyone else is playing yeah. and it's just like especially you know, if your drummer is not a drummer and it's me <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but just yeah I don't know it's but I mean you did say that there is a looper now that you can plug a microphone into and yeah it keep it sticks like it listens to the like the kick and the snare that's if you have a drummer, and it, and it, it just, just listens changes. and it quantizes as it goes. Yeah, which is well, nuts. What other cool thing you can do with the looper? Um, uh, Patrick and I both play jazz, and there's a, a great quote from some sax player. I think it was Lester Young that said, "Limitation is the key to freedom," or something along the lines of that. And it's a good exercise as far as improvisation goes in jazz to limit yourself and um, you know, limit the rhythms or the amount of notes that you can play, and you'll discover new interesting ways to you know, play over a set of changes or whatever. But a looper, in a way, is also limiting you, especially if you're just playing one very simple progression, and you're just sitting there and listening to it over and over again, then you're forcing yourself to come up with a bunch of different melodies for it. Mm -hmm. You don't want to sing, the, you know, at least I'll, I'll just leave a loop on and like sing a bunch of melodies over the top of it, and it'll be like five chords, like it's not even a long loop. But mm -hmm. I'll come up with interesting melodies because I sit there and just sing, sing, sing different things over, over it, over and over again. Yeah. So it's limiting you. You can't, you can't change what the chords are because it's just looping it. So if you spend 15 minutes like singing different things every time, you're going to come up with something good eventually. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's something that I found that's helpful about it. It's yeah. Cool. Well, let me ask you this, Sean. So you're going to write something. You sit down. You have a blank sheet of paper. You have your you have your instruments around. What happens next? Um. Well, let's see. Uh, I usually start on guitar. Usually, I try and come up with a strumming pattern that I haven't played before because 
everybody has habits, something that musical habits is something that they're, they're not necessarily all bad, but a lot of times they can be bad because mm -hmm. my hands get used to playing the same progressions over and over again on the piano or on the guitar. And then I tend to do that, and then all my songs will sound the same. Yeah. So I try to get myself, the first thing if I'm doing something on guitar is to get an interesting rhythm, an interesting strumming pattern, and try and avoid making the chords like change on every four beats or every eight beats. You know, <laughs> make it something more interesting. Because I'm not even that great of a guitarist. I can't, like, I'm not very good at, like, writing riffs necessarily. Right. But there's a lot you can, there's a lot more you can do with progressions than just, like, you can you can vary the lengths that each chord goes. So I'll I'll mm -hmm. try and come up with something interesting like that, and um, then I just start singing usually. And and if it's if it's easy enough, I'll put it on the looper and then I'll sing like I said, until I come up with with one section that I like, um, whether that's like a some kind of verse that I'm thinking about. And then when I have a verse melody in mind, I'll sit there and I'll try and start writing lyrics for a verse. So I'll hone in on one very specific part of the song, like the very first line of the verse, and I'll say, what do I want this to be about? This is what I want the first phrase to be. Now I need a, a, a line that's, that has the right amount of syllables and can fit really perfectly into the pocket that I need it to. Mm -hmm. And then I'll write something like that. And then I focus really hard on the next line. And then you know once I get something that's, that's pretty good, I'll move on to the next line. And, and I'll always come back and revisit those things, but I'll try and write a whole verse. So that I have a verse in mind so that because the verse is going to affect what the pre-chorus sounds like and what the chorus sounds like. There have been occasions where I've written like a verse and then a chorus and they've been completely separate and I try to mash them together and I'm like, they don't fit because <laughs> they didn't come from the same school of thought. I found it like it's very rare that they'll fit together because, you know, they don't they don't feel the same yeah. to me. So you like writing melodies before, uh, like a vocal melody before throwing in lyrics? Yes. Yeah. So you just hum it, and I feel I feel like that's a lot better because then you know what you need to fill. Yeah. And then you can yeah. change the like you said the number of syllables accordingly. But yeah. Sometimes I'll. I mean, you can write like. Uh, you can write out like ideas like um, for lyrics like beforehand, but a lot of times what happens is if you if you have the lyrics in mind before you've written a melody. Then you're trying to fit the amount of syllables that are in your line, to like. You find yourself like rapping. You're yeah, you're, <laughs> you're like yeah, exactly. You're trying to fit. You're trying to make your, um, your lyrics fit the melody. When I think it's, I think it could be better to have, a strong melody and then change those lyrics, you know, mess with them a little bit to make them fit. Yeah. The melody. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. that makes sense. Because the melodies that I like to write are. Um, you know, they're like sentences with little periods. They're just there, and they're effective, and they, 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 you know, they don't linger, or they don't wander. I mean, yeah, you know what I mean. Which is a lot of, which is what you do in jazz. You know, because <laughs> if your if your lines wander for too long, then everybody's bored. They're like, I don't know what I don't know what to follow. I have no idea what's happening. It's yeah, just, right. it's a phrase, with it's a sentence and it's period and it's over. And mm -hmm. then it's like there it is. That's exactly what it what it's supposed to be. And then Next thing. Yes, exactly. So Patrick. Um, did you this is this kind of has to do with your auditions did you ever have to uh compose your own song for any of your auditions or no okay um so we talked a little bit about uh my various um music college auditions that i have had and that i have coming up in the past uh the last episode in the past few, few weeks yeah um 
But no. So all of the schools I've been applying and auditioning at, it's been for jazz studies. Um, if I were to go into composition, then they would want me to have stuff already sense. prepared because they want to see like how much composition experience that I have. Yeah. So if, let me ask you, if you did have to, so you're still not uh, auditioning for uh composition but if you're still auditioning for jazz and you had to write a song what do you think you would put in it to sh like prove that you can do that um well i've i mean i've i do write stuff now mm -hmm. um sean and i uh both play in um a quartet that i direct at school mm -hmm. and um in the on which I play bass um, and in the last few weeks I've started to bring in some of my originals for that quartet to play so I just have a lead sheet where I have a main melody and then chord changes and that's pretty much it and then everything else I either instruct verbally or I leave up to the band's interpretation yeah um, but so I would probably just kind of use something that I already have and if they wanted a fully scored arrangement of it that I would then I would just take the framework that's laid out in one of those lead sheets and I would flesh it out into a fuller um, arrangement with specific parts and, and uh, different sections and stuff like that. Um, but I do want to explore composition in college because the more I do it, the more I enjoy it. Um, I, I don't um, write songs with lyrics like Sean does. Uh, I, I gave up on that after middle school. <laughs> um, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I'm not, not great at it. I, which is funny because I enjoy writing and I enjoy composing and then I throw the two together and it's like, what, what I don't know how to do this. Yeah, it's a totally different <laughs> Once animal. the high notes in middle school went away, just at all, the singing <laughs> aspect yeah. left the picture. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I there's a chance that I'll want to transfer into the composition program, at least for like the jazz composition program at whatever school I end up attending. Um, because I don't have anything right now that I could give to the admissions people and be like, this is kind of the stuff that I can compose. I, I don't have anything that I would really want to show off at this point because mm -hmm. I haven't been working towards that goal. Um, but you know, once I get some of my general music classes down, I could probably end up switching if I have some stuff ready and then I would be able to still graduate in the same amount of time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I have really enjoyed kind of undertaking that, that part of music is, mm -hmm. is the, the original stuff. And I shied away from it for a long time because I'm like, I'm definitely better off when I look at other people's stuff. Right. And I, I, I do better to interpret and to um, recite what uh, others give me. But um, it's just a fun exercise. It's, and it's an important exercise in creativity to, to be able to write your own stuff. And it's, it's cool just to have something that's like you. Right, yeah. And, and you, can, you can play the same. Like you can get inspired by a, a famous musician um, and like play those licks and you can get really good and get, uh, you know, you could basically play anything, but if you aren't creative and you can't, uh, like come up with those ideas by yourself, then what are you doing? Yeah. 
I uh, I showed you guys this that video a few days ago of a uh, saxophonist Bob Reynolds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was talking about how people always ask him, "Well, what can you? You're this amazing saxophone player. What can you not do that your heroes can do?" And he's like, "Well, they come up with all this stuff that I learn. I can learn it and I can play it note for note, but." They're the ones that are coming up with it. They're the ones with these crazy creative minds that have come from hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of exposure and listening and contemplating and practicing and internalizing different pieces of their hero's vocabulary and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and that comes out in their improvising and in their composing because yeah. they're, it's the same process. Right. I always think it's cool. I, I have not found, especially not as in my jazz piano stuff, but even in my songwriting, um, I haven't found my own voice necessarily, because I think that all a lot of a lot of my favorite artists have um, not like not like specific like other artists that they draw inspiration from, but you can hear similarities in their music. It's not like they're copying yeah um, their heroes' music, but like uh, the band Lawrence, for example. Yeah, they're I like have to think that they grew up listening to Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Because so much of their music is like inspired by that, but by by what he did. And I have not it's not that I don't know who my heroes are, but I'm you know, it's it's a constant um struggle between putting your own creativity into it um and then taking things that other people have done and making them your own to like make you know, make your own yeah. you know, your own idea. It's 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 just challenging, you know, to 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 imitate without plagiarizing yeah. and to take their ideas and make them better and make them your own. Mm-hmm. Um, there's another cool quote that I can't remember exactly what it is, but it goes something like um, talking about transcribing solos mm-hmm. in jazz. And it was uh, like, um, first you imitate it and then you study it and then you innovate upon it. Yeah. Something like that. So you just have to, you have to, to, to lock in on what specific parts of this person's music that, that always stick out to you. Which is what I've been doing a lot this week is I'll listen to my favorite artists and I'm like, okay, what is it? What is it about their music that that draws me in? What things do they do all the time that that really interests me? And every time I hear it, I'm like, my ears perk up and I'm like, oh, that's awesome. And like, once you can you can key in on those specific things, then you can figure out how to expand them and put them into your own playing and stuff. Yeah. Like that. yeah. So and it's interesting cool. how you can listen to someone and hear another player come out of them. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh yeah. And then <laughs> yeah. also. You know, since recording music is relatively new, when it started out, there were only a few big bands and people uh, that all had their ver- own very unique sounds. And if you heard anything that was remotely like what they were playing, you're like, oh yeah, that's definitely so-and-so. But now they inspired people who inspired people who inspired people. And now everyone's just a mishmash of, like, everyone. <laughs> we're all just... There are so many different um sounds that you can pull out of a single listening to a single person play mm-hmm. uh that they could have pulled from so many different great artists yeah um just to make that their own sound and uh the fact that a lot of stuff has already been written written and most songs sound like other songs and it's hard to be completely original it's yeah, it's like hard to not hear something. It can be overwhelming to the fact that there's so much. I mean, there is infinite possibilities that you can do with music, rhythm, melody, harmony. Like there's so much you can do. There are infinite possibilities, but at the same time, it's like, how do I like? 
I, I always find myself thinking about that when I'm getting frustrated with something that I'm doing and I'm like, why can't I come up with something better than this? Like there are so many possibilities. Why am I writing the same stuff all the time? And then, and, and it can be uh, overwhelming to think about how much you can do. And you're like, where do I even start? Yeah. Well, you that's know? why, that's why limitation is the, is yes. the, is the key to creative expansion. Yeah. Because putting yourself in a little box makes stepping out of the box feel way better. Yeah. And it, it can, it makes you appreciate the, the vastness of, of possibilities that you have as an artist when, um, when you kind of step away from whatever your limitation is that you have imposed for exercise purposes. But it doesn't even necessarily need to be about that either because if you think about it, people build off of each other's ideas all the time. The part of being an artist, um, whether you're a musician, a, a writer, anything really, um, it, it's, it's taking in what's around you and spinning it your way um and that's that's just that's just as big of a a part of the process as any other part but um like take the blues for example the the most probably the most common uh form of popular music or literally form as in song form um one of the most popular song forms in the last century um and think about how many people have taken just the blues and how many different ways that it's been spun by people from every style or quote-unquote genre of music there is um it, it's been spun so many different ways and they're all good yeah you know it's and people kind of Limitation sounds like a scary word, but at the same time, I think you, I mean, you basically said this earlier, um, the challenge of working through a specific place that you've put yourself in is where some really cool creativity comes out. It's, it's like problem solving. Yeah. And it's, um, Bob Reynolds, the saxophone player that you were talking about earlier was, had, had mentioned something in one of his videos on YouTube about how, um, you can only practice things that are, so if your abilities are 100%, if your abilities, like, if you know, if you have 100% of your own ability, if that makes any sense, you can only take, you can only take yourself 4% farther and be successful. Yeah. So in other words, if you're trying to do something that is way out of your ability, so if I'm just, if I'm trying to write an entire song at once and I'm focusing on every aspect of it at once, I mean, it's not going to be very good. Yeah. I'm not going to be able to. I'm not going to be able to do everything, because that would be like me trying to do 160 percent of my ability. Mm -hmm. And you can only go, you know, 104 percent is what he says in this book that he's talking about. Um, so you can only you can only take your own abilities and push them so far, and still have success. Otherwise, if you try and push your push yourself too far, you're not going to come up with anything good. Yeah, you know what I mean. Mm -hmm. You just want to focus on one spot, one time at a, like one spot in a song at a time, and then make sure that you're putting all your effort into that and making sure it's exactly making sure that good. that that four percent or so of the song is is great. Yeah, you know, so that's you guys yeah. love it. Yes, you you do. Yeah, the people always talk about falling in love with the process, and I think that's 
such a huge part of it is yeah. because you got you got to fall in love with putting in that that hundred four percent um because that's is, is what it is let's try that again that's what's gonna make you better yeah uh, <laughs> and it's gonna take a long time so you better love it yeah. right yeah. yeah um to make anything good yeah you gotta accept right at the beginning like i'm bad <laughs> that's just how it is everybody's gonna be bad at this for a really long time yeah and you're gonna like you just have to you gotta step yourself back before, but before you can do anything good, is you gotta realize the fact that you're a very tiny fish in a big pond. Right. So you need to you need to do a lot of listening and a lot of learning before you can ever come up with your own good ideas. Right. You know? And that that should never be a a place of discouragement as easily no, as yeah. it may be to to look at it that way. Um, I, I certainly do it all the time when I listen to my, my favorite artists. I'm like, am I supposed to be able to do that? No. I've been playing guitar <laughs> yeah. for, sure, five years, yeah. which to an 18-year-old seems like a long time, but music is a lifelong endeavor for most people, Yeah. Um, and it, it doesn't come very fast, uh, writing especially. You know, to, to find one's own voice as a, as a songwriter takes forever. Yeah. yeah um and there's there's some beauty to that i think definitely um just the the vastness of it all yeah um yeah i it was it was interesting um going off what you were saying about how it takes it takes so long i remember when i uh, earlier in the fall i went up to uh indiana university to check out their jazz program and they have a fantastic jazz program there um and i and i went up on a friday night and i listened to uh one of their jazz bands play, and I thought that they were great. I thought they were really very good. And I remember the next day I was talking to one of the professors, and um, he was he I was he was like, "How did you enjoy the concert last night?" And I was like, "Oh, I thought it was fantastic." And he was like, "Oh yeah, well that's our freshman band." Kind of <laughs> talking down to them, and I was like, "Are you like are you serious, dude?" <laughs> like I mean. It, it is interesting the fact that Indiana is an, a fantastic school for jazz. Some of the best young players in the country are going there. And still, the professor is looking at them like they're, not that they're not talented, but they're not good. And, <laughs> and that's just like something that you have to accept is that you can go to the best school ever. And, you know, but, but at the age of 21 or whatever, however, how old are you when you go to college? 18, 19? Not, sorry. Not, not 21. My bad. College at 21. You, sorry, you my bad. back a lot. My bad. <laughs> but if you're going to college at the age of 19, even if you've been playing the piano for, or any instrument since you were zero years old, since you were born, like, you're just not going to be that good. It takes that, it takes so long. It takes decades yeah. to find your own voice. And I thought that was so interesting, the way that he wasn't talking badly about them but that's just something you have to accept is that you know you're not going to be great at this right it's away not good. you're just <laughs> i was like yeah that's why i tell myself i'm like dude every time you think you're good like you're not <laughs> just, just let's just put that out there right now you know and it's yeah. it's just a good way to keep yourself like i have all these things that i need to work on i need to keep practicing every day so mm-hmm. and songwriting is practice yeah, yeah. I mean, you keeps know? yourself busy yes exactly <laughs> I almost just fell out of my chair. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And on that note, I think that was a pretty... Did we cover every topic Ah. we wanted to talk about? Yeah, Sean needed to leave for his piano lesson about three minutes ago. Sean needs to... So we'll let him get going here. Yeah. Well, uh, it's been a pleasure. Sean, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, For being the first featured guest on the Tuning Time Podcast. Yeah. It was a pleasure. It was a pleasure. 
we'll, uh, we'll maybe we'll have you back sometime. Absolutely. I would enjoy that greatly. I'll see you. Uh, see you guys later. Yeah. <laughs> but you can let yourself out. Let's keep recording. All right. <laughs> Bye, Sean. Bye, Sean. Bye, Sean. <laughs> All right. Now it's the two of us. And now it's just the two of us. The classic tuning time duo. <laughs> um, on this birthday. On this birthday. Oh, my phone's lighting up with birthday calls. Yay. It's so nice. So nice. Um, Have I played you any of my originals yet? Uh, No. Are That's... they on your new guitar? Or I guess it really doesn't matter. What do you mean? Just, are they recent? Uh, ish, yeah. We started playing one... The first original that I actually put in front of other people to play, I started. We started working on that in the in that quartet that I mentioned, um, a few weeks ago, maybe a month ago, and then I just gave them a new one this past Monday. Um, and in retrospect, I I, I don't like them that much. Mm. I'm 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 happy that I finished them and yeah. they're done. Like I'm not gonna go back and change it now. Um. I'm happy that I made myself do it and that I made myself flesh it out and just, here it is, put it in front of them, let's play it, this is what I was thinking. But um, there's a part of me that will always cringe at whatever kind of music I put out there. But yeah. honestly, just the fact that I started making myself, I'll just force myself to sit down at a blank paper and, and think until until I can find something that will come out. Right. Um, and that, that just from the very first time I started doing that, the process has become so much easier. I mean, I shouldn't say so much easier. Writing music's not easy. Have, were any of these songs played during, the last time I heard you guys play was at the, uh, no, winter concert. You have not heard any of them yet. Okay. The winter concert was exclusively Charlie Brown music. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) You think Um, I would have noticed that? (laughs) It's okay. Yeah, no. Um, this stuff is all relatively new. We didn't start working on it until after the whole Charlie Brown debacle had yeah. ended. Um, but it, it's exciting because now I feel like I have a little bit more power to uh, to make myself get more ideas on on paper and in existence. Because mm-hmm. all ideas exist, they're just not out yet. Right. And, I mean, there's definitely something, even if it's not good and you think that it could be better, there's definitely something to be said about writing completing a song for a four-piece like band yeah just jazz group or whatever uh your case may be but like that's that just takes so much work and coordination to like have this whole song running uh through your head as you're writing it and yeah like it I, that's just so difficult well that's it's like the the Difficulty is exponential when it goes from writing one for one instrument versus for every instrument yeah. that you intend to have playing in the song. Yeah, well, then the really nice thing about this quartet that I play in at school, I wasn't going to talk about it too much while Sean was here, otherwise his his head would get too big. <laughs> um, but the really nice thing about that group is all the guys in there are so easy to work with. Yeah. I just bring in a lead sheet. And like I mentioned, it's not a lot of information. It's a melody and chord changes. And then some small other articulation things, maybe a, a, a full band hit every now and then. 
Um, but I can just kind of talk them through what I'm hearing in my head and they'll just do it. Yeah, and they'll really bring nice. they'll bring their own thing to the table, but they 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 get it. They're far enough along in, in their musical journeys each respectively to the point where they can just listen to what I'm trying to say and they can they can give it their best shot as to what they think I'm trying to get across and most of the time they're they're pretty good about it. Yeah. Um and if they're not then I I make a small correction and then they 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 just get it after that. It, it's it's really nice. Um because I don't have to write like four different parts. Yeah. Which because when I sit down to write those kinds of uh those songs that I'm going to bring in for this quartet um I'm trying to hear what it would sound like at the end in my head first. Um, because I always try to start with the end product in mind. Mm. Um, so I'll, although it, it doesn't start that way for sure. It, the, the original idea may come from the melody that I'm thinking of, or it may come from like a drum groove or a chord progression or a yeah. bass line, um, or a chord voicing even, um, just small stuff that I'll use to kind of get me started. And then after that, I'll try to think, okay, what would this sound like if it were expanded to everyone playing it? Yeah. Um, and then I'll have that in my head when I'm thinking of what, if I didn't have the melody first, I'll be thinking of what it would sound like as a whole um, as I go. And when I don't do it, it's really easy to tell. <laughs> Sometimes I'll be writing and then I'll, I'll take a break and I'll come back to it like the next day. And like Sean said, if you try to put two uh, ideas that are way too disconnected together, then it's really hard to make them work. And it's really obvious that they're coming from different places creatively yeah. uh, and that they don't really gel together. Um, but it's, yeah, I just, I love being in that group. It's so much fun. <laughs> yeah. You, you guys never fail to impress me. When I saw you guys playing, it's just, you all had seemed to be having such a good time together. And it is a good time. Really? It's, it's nice having a good group of musicians like that because it's not practice, practice, practice. It's like you're just jamming. Yeah. With a basic idea of obviously chord changes and, uh, you know, certain cues that you might yeah. have. Um, but, like, everyone in that group is good enough to where it's more jamming than it is practice. Well, in rehearsal, I would, I would, I th I understand why you would think that, and I bet it does look like that. But I would actually go to say that there's still plenty of the grind aspect of involved oh, yeah. when when we rehearse as a group because, um, like I said, I have to make sure that people are kind of delivering the thing that I'm hearing in my head as as effectively as possible. Or if they're going to change something, then we have to figure out how to incorporate that as best as possible. So there's a lot of talking through things. Um, and we really don't do a ton of improvising in rehearsal. Um, we'll run through like our solo sections and make sure that we can transition in and out of them pretty well, and we can get through solo That's just like a time between solos. Thing, right? Well, just yeah, like, but I mean, it's almost not all. You can't necessarily rehearse uh, everything that's going to happen because you don't you don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. Um, so the the real cool stuff with uh interaction and that part of it comes out just in that the more we play together the better we get to know each other the more we just start to gel together when we play and things mm -hmm. just kind of sound 
like a more just gets tightly knit quartet. Yeah. As as we continue to play. Do you guys have any uh, upcoming performances or? Ah, uh, no, I don't think so. Nothing's lined up right now. Um, Do you normally play in conjunction with the orchestra? Like you guys? No, that was day? an isolated thing. Uh. Um, well, we'll we will be playing probably all of the same performances that the other jazz band at school is doing. So um, Turpin has a jazz festival that happens, I think, in March, which I believe you've been to before. Yeah. Um, where a bunch of high school jazz bands from around the area will, or middle school and high school jazz bands from around the area will come and they'll play a little bit and then they get to do a clinic with um, a professional afterward. And that's always a really fun experience. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really excited for us to play there this year because I think we'll have a good chunk of time and it's not Christmas, so we don't have to play Christmas music. <laughs> we'll just be able to play whatever whatever we think we're best at. Yeah. Um, and I'm really excited for people to, to get to hear that stuff. Um, but that's the only one I can think of. Like I said, I think that comes up in March. Um, I don't, I, there may be a possibility that I'll try to get that group to play out and around Cincinnati at like that maybe, maybe awesome. like a restaurant that just wants live jazz. Oh my gosh. Um, that'd be really fun. Uh, I haven't looked into that too much yet, but yeah, you'll hear about that on the Tune Pan podcast for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Date, more dates to come. Um, yeah, I think is that everything we wanted to cover. I think yeah, we can we can call it a day. Yeah, I think it's been about fifty minutes. If I were a betting man, I'd say about fifty minutes. That's not too shabby. Yeah. Unfortunately, Sean had to uh, had to depart about ten minutes ago. He had a lesson with his piano teacher. Yeah. So respect. <laughs> always grinding that, <laughs> always that boy, grinding that boy that's right um but yeah all right well good uh good episode <laughs> that was a great episode uh we finally had our first guest i hope you guys enjoyed always make sure to follow us on twitter at time underscore tuning for yeah. uh all the updates uh biggest one i'm waiting for is for when we get on spotify yeah uh but you know apple podcasts is a very a very important step yeah and we've we've made it i'm feeling good feeling good about it i am as well um you can leave voice messages on anchor we haven't gotten any voice messages yet yeah we're still waiting for that one really bummed about that really wanting to hear some voice messages yeah um we'll put them we'll put them in the podcast for everyone to hear yeah it's so cool you should just leave a voice message just do it (laughs) um and we'd appreciate it if you did that. It would be very nice. But we just appreciate that you're listening. Mm-hmm. Thanks again, always, for uh, for tuning in. Uh, let's hope that we can do some more guest uh, guest co-hosts and, and uh, collaborations and stuff like that in the future. And we do have some stuff planned um, with some folks from another podcast. Oh yeah, that will remain that will uh, remain nameless until uh until the time has come but uh keep an eye out for that and uh i think that's about everything i think so this has been uh your boy nick antonides happy birthday thank you thank you <laughs> big one eight patrick oaks yeah and sean butkovich who isn't here right now but <laughs> yeah all right well we'll see you next time see ya stay tuned <laughs>